welcome back, or if you've just discovered us, welcome for the first time. Now, I'm sure you've already come across many of the predictions people are making for 2022. Maybe you've even released some of your own. Well, Robin and I see a lot, and you can get a flavor of what we're thinking from last week's episode. But for today, we are following up on the success of our compilation of predictions that we made last year, and again, sourcing views directly from the people we know at the sharp end of what they see coming in the next 12 months. Robin has been out and about, or at least in the virtual sense, talking to some of the people in our network, and no surprise that he's found some juicy bits that he'll be taking you through in a few minutes. Well, it's quite a bit of work to pull these things together, so our thanks to Fidata for sponsoring this predictions episode. Fidata has been providing software for the insurance market for over 30 years. Its insurance processing platform, INSIS, that's I-N-S-I-S, spans a full insurance lifecycle for life, non-life, and health insurance. For more details, go to www.fidata.eu. The link will be in the episode notes. Okay, sit tight. Here we go. Let's start with a few predictions about the general state of insurtech funding, and in particular, predictions about valuations and the availability of money in 2022. Where better to start than to talk to a leading insurtech venture investor? Here's Matthew Jones. He's the managing director at Anthemis, which is a venture firm which focuses on financial services and probably the most active in the insurance innovation sector. Without a doubt, 2021 has been a very buoyant year, which It's a surprise considering we entered January not really knowing what the year would hold. And uh, we're now sitting here in December looking back on one of our busiest ever years. I think there are going to remain plenty of opportunities to invest in adjacent spaces um, and other industries. It just feels right now like it's unlikely that the investment numbers that we've seen in 2021 will grow meaningfully next year, partly because A handful of companies that have now moved into the public markets haven't necessarily done so well, but also partly because the boom in investment over the last year in particular has in in large part been driven by generalist investors who've realized that insurance, I think, is a particularly challenging space to do well in. And I think we expect that some of these are going to move to some of these investors are going to move to the sidelines a little bit. So does this mean that the good times are over in terms of investment? No, not according to Matthew. We've seen some of the main themes in insurance align really, really well with some of the big, broad macro themes that we see on the news at 10, for example. So supply chain volatility, climate change um, and democratization of finance generally. And I don't think any of those are going away in 2022. So I think we're going to be seeing more and more kind of potent combinations of insurance and financial products. Many of the insurance businesses that we're backing are now working with debt funds, for example, thinking about how they leverage debit card propositions. So overall, I think this will in turn kind of further facilitate embedding um, of insurance into other workflows, platforms and contexts. But just because the numbers might stay the same or go down a little bit doesn't mean that um, it's all over for insurance. And I think there's a really yet again interesting year ahead. Charlie Burgess, who heads up Munich Re Digital Partners, also provides his thoughts on insurtech valuations next year. And he shares Matthew's enthusiasm for the opportunities available in embedded insurance as well as ecosystems. I think uh, we will increasingly see some uh, valuation correction. Uh, We've seen, I think, one distress sale already. uh, And we've seen, I think, 
sentiment towards the SPACs begin to uh, diminish, and I think that will continue. We'll also begin to see some of the incumbents uh, spending their balance sheets. The last couple of years, we've had some good hard returns. Cash flows are looking good. And I think we might start seeing some investment acquisitions by the incumbent insurers of InsurTechs. On the specifics, um, embedded and ecosystems undoubtedly will develop and grow. Um, the relevance of their access to target customer base is, uh, is, is significant. And perhaps the economics are better than the traditional broker market, certainly for some of the more generic products, the fast flow products, the retail and, and SME type products. I see this across life, health and non-life. So we've heard from an investor. We've heard from a reinsurer. Let's now get an insurer's view on what innovation and investment in it looks like in the coming year. This is Premal Gohill. He heads up innovation and partnerships at Liberty Mutual. I think we're going to see a lot more M&A activity and the like. The amount of capital that has flowed into the space over the last few years, it is quite incredible. VC funding within the insure tech sector broke $10 billion for the very first time, and we still had a quarter to go. When companies within the space raise that money, where does it typically go? Well, if you're turning your startup into a scale-up and you're trying to grow, it's going into things like product development, R&D, building uh, talent capabilities, so, you know, getting new people in and the like, and trying to probably set up shop in places outside of your home jurisdiction. Some of these companies that have some excess capital will probably start looking around for acquisition opportunities as well. You've seen it within the broader insurance sector, whether that's private equity roll-ups in the broking space, uh, insurtechs joining forces and, and some carriers making acquisitions. And Premel also thinks that the successful and well-regarded scale-ups will not have any difficulty getting funding for any further M&A plans. The early pioneers come in trying to disrupt an industry. And then those that get traditional um, kind of product market fit and start to scale will attract capital from venture capital. Uh, and, you know, successful ones have done that. And then they've gone into kind of later stage, bigger rounds, and some of them have used SPACs or IPOs to go public. And they've built out, you know, some more chests, I think, to go and go hunting for companies and they're, they're looking to buy. And, you know, you get a natural shakeout in the industry and some consolidation. And, and I think you're going to find that accelerate into 2022. And if I point to a specific area where I think this could be very interesting is those of InsureTech NGAs. They're great for distribution and maybe some of your product plays and you'll seek capital from risk carriers. But if you can build a balance sheet yourself, build out your own licenses and your own network, etc., that either makes you a really great acquisition target or if you've got dry powder, you're going to buy up capabilities that you might take you either a long time or be very expensive to build in-house. And for a full spread of perspectives, let's get a view on the state of insurtech investment from a broker. This is Sasha Bakerovich. He's the global head of MGA strategies at Aon, and he focuses on all things underwriting. He agrees with the other three about the availability of money and the downward trend in valuations but sees a great opportunity for those who can bring genuinely disruptive innovation to the market. The investment environment as it is today has been characterized by, I would say, easy money. And I would say that's driven by macro aspects of it. 
two aspects that I think will dislocate going forward and the driver is going to be fundamental rethink or expectations of uh, medium-term inflation expectations that fundamentally will change discount rates for future cash flows, expected cash flows. And I think that's also going to have an effect on what has been, I think, uh, a certain spread between valuation metrics for privately held assets versus public assets. And that can be observed uh, with um, the fortunes of those who have listed gone public. From an insurtech business model perspective, I would say we are still to see genuine innovation that, that, that creates value by opening up new markets or changing the price point or cost point of how something is created, services delivered or product manufactured. And the, 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 the stopping or the slowing down of easy money into, into near term future is going to really, really challenge the existing businesses. Those who will win out will be those who can pivot towards business models that create genuine innovation rather than superficially changing what is already there, but in essence replicating what is already there. Ruta Mikaskaita, the head of client solutions UK and Ireland for Swiss Re, she agrees on the whole issue of M&A, but thinks that the propositions most likely to attract investment dollars are those that can help the insurance industry understand supply chains and the risks they represent. I think we're going to see increased M&A activity in the insurance space. This perhaps will be caused by some doom and gloom. We've seen insurtechs that IPO'd during 2021 perhaps not being so successful as originally anticipated. And therefore, I think the ones that come out after pandemics may be very strong and look to acquire different companies, uh, build ecosystems and grow further. Supply chain is probably the problem that insurance and reinsurance has been dealing with for a number of years. And We've seen disruptions in the form of port congestions, labor, material shortages. The companies that will provide good risk insights into the supply chain and be able to take that risk perspective and provide it transparently to the companies next year will win. While some of our experts gave predictions on the state of the overall market and the investment opportunities that lie within it, some honed in on the individual themes that they think will be a big influence on activities in the year ahead. Let's look into a few of these. You'll not be surprised to see ESG and climate change were themes that several people see as a big part of 2022. Let's start with Jenny Williams, a director at Convex Insurance, with responsibility for portfolio optimization. As insurers, we know that we have to be really alert to both the risks and the opportunities around us as we are going to transition to this low carbon economy. The private sector is engaged now, but it's, it really is at an unprecedented scale um, and it's really going to drive the change. There's just masses of investment coming at green initiatives um, and our industry is needed to de-risk where they can. We're going to see opportunities in credit insurance, energy sector, casualty, uh, adaption in aerospace, marine, property. And of course, we all need to be thinking about our own sustainable investments. Uh, We can see our industry needs to be well informed and definitely engaged in the dialogue. Joan Cusco, the global head of transformation at MAPFRE, agrees with Jenny. 
2022 will also be driven by the climate crisis and natural catastrophes. Um, there's a lot of interest around it, not only because they're happening more often and with more severity, but also because this is a risk in which we cannot decide whether to step on. Uh, this is a risk that is going to happen and it's going to hit our portfolio, whether we like it or not. Uh, all of our PNC assets and commercial lines assets are actually uh, exposed to that risk more and more often. On the same topic, let's go back to Charlie Burgess of Munich Re, who thinks we're going to see much more in the area of climate sustainability services. A lot of it will come from the data that's uh, emanating from the IOC and the metrics, but more broadly than that, sustainability ESG is right at the front now. And I think more and more insurers and partners will look to leverage that as a differentiator to some extent. Operational excellence and the role of machine learning and AI in that was another topic that several experts picked up on as a big theme. Paolo Cuomo, who's the Director of Operations at Brit Insurance, had an interesting take, which he's called Robots in the Loop. What are robots in the loop, I hear you say? Well, I'll let Paolo explain. Everyone's getting very comfortable with the the sort of aspirational aims of of AI and machine learning, which will start to remove a a lot of the human element of the underwriting process. However, you know, we will still for the next few years be a a, a fair way away from being able to entirely replace humans because the robots are often only 60, 70, 80 percent confident in what they're doing. As we improve the quality of our machines and the confidence of their output, we'll actually flip things on their head for a year or two. We'll retain the human doing the initial data entry, the initial keying in. But what we'll do is we'll have the robot sitting in the background. It's a lot easier for AI to be very confident about a possible human mistake than it is to be very confident about itself in the first place. So we should all very much be looking out for the the same suppliers, the same fundamental technology being used, but flipped on its head. So it's human driven with the robot keeping an eye on them rather than the robot doing the first bit of the process and then the human having to fill in the gaps. Operational excellence was a top priority for Mapfray too. Joanne Cusco again. 2022 is going to be an exciting year when it comes to operational excellence. The advances in AI and deep learning and all the associated techniques uh, make it possible now to have a better understanding of our risks, uh, but at the same time to capture the opportunities in in streamlining the operations. Uh, I'm talking not about automating, but about uh, really having end-to-end resolution of some of our uh, most uh, tedious tasks today. Lisa Lottie Monk is the CEO for Data, which has been providing insurance software for 30 years. And they're the sponsors of this podcast. She's seeing the same when it comes to AI and machine learning. One of the main trends we see is adoption of AI or machine learning technologies. And that is also uh, one of the areas where we are investigating and investing uh, to develop uh, our solution in to be much more based on what we could call data driven. AI and, uh, and machine learning are going to transform the insurance industry triggering uh, everything to be automated, uh, but also even, you know, providing more services uh, and products to the end consumers, even services and uh, insurance products uh, we haven't seen today. But to do that, we also need a modernized platform. They are API restful, uh, so you can drive all the changes, the agility, and fast go to market with new products and services. Keith Aylwin is the director of Alpha FMC, which is a management consultancy focusing in on the insurance sector. 
He thinks that customer experience will be the main focus for 2022. Organisations are going to need to refocus on the customer and advisor experience, having to take into account all of the rapid changes they made through the pandemic in order to engage with their uh, their customer base. That's going to be trickier than than probably people expect because we're going to have to see how that integrates with the wider architecture, but also remains compliant and secure. We've seen very significant impacts on data going outside of the traditional space, even in paper formats. So a lot of challenges for organizations to be able to, to overcome, to engage and sell to their customers, but also to make sure it's a very coherent experience as well. Jenny Williams of Convex makes an interesting related point. With so many people, and so particularly insurers, looking to use machine learning and AI to get their data into shape, there's going to be a talent war. We're still trying to turn that mass of unstructured information into structured data that we can start making um, better informed decisions on. But because this is relevant to all insurers at the moment, um, I predict a real fight for talent in the data space. You've got data analysts, engineers, architects, product owners, integration experts. They're all really valuable to companies at the moment. And I think this is going to be reflected in wages um, and the demand for those skill sets. Ruta Mikaskaita at Swiss Re agrees with Jenny. We're in a pivotal moment in the industry in attracting different talents to insurers and reinsurance. And probably we'll see the biggest number of data analysts, engineers, people experienced in technology sector moving into insurance. But equally, insurance professionals perhaps leaving insurance and going into the tech companies that are coming into insurance and reinsurance value chain. The brokers we talked to also focus their predictions on data and structuring data, but they're looking at it much more from a kind of digital trading perspective. After many years of limited progress on that front, there's a belief that 2022 could provide a real breakthrough year. Here's Dan Prince, the CEO of Rethink. We're actually going to go beyond just looking at some smart capacity and algo syndicates, and we're going to be able to start joining up the whole journey from the front to the back in one single transaction. So how do we capture the structured data directly from the client, pass that through to a rating engine of an insurance carrier of the primary lead? They fire back that primary lead into the platform. The platform will then fire it off to via API into the auto follow uh, rethink engine. And that will return capacity from different sources, allowing our broker to complete a placement without ever setting foot in Lloyd's. And here's Adam Chemis-Batty. Adam is the digital leader at Marsh UK and Ireland on the same theme. I think we'll see some really important steps towards digital trading in the London specialty market becoming a reality. And more specifically in practice, I think that means a couple of things. I think one that we will start to see and some new and exciting gateway or adapter propositions to facilitate those connections between the big brokers, insurers, and marketplace platforms. And I think that's an area where demand has really been building over the past couple of years, and I'm hopeful that we'll see some some exciting insurtech propositions emerging in 2022. And then the second way is that I I think we'll start to see some more intense and, and real market collaboration around some of the basic data standards that are needed for digital trading to really work in practice. And now for a very different take on how the traditional insurance value chain is set to be disrupted. I really like this prediction. It's from Francoise Forge, the head of strategic innovation at WACAM. 
He's excited by the emergence of mega platforms like Boltech and WeFox. When we are seeing the future of our industry, we are we tend to, to see um, a recomposition of the insurance value chain, and this trend is uh, well illustrated by big players building different uh, stage, uh, some huge digital platform. And this platform, the goal of this platform is to manage a huge product portfolio. They feed this product portfolio with, of course, their own products. They have some own insurance uh, as part of their, their groups, but they are also asking some traditional players to digitalize their product and to put it as part of this huge portfolio. The second one, and it's quite exciting, they will be able to collect data from the final user through their distributors. They will be able to identify the protection gap. If you are able to identify what is missing for your final customers, you could ask this traditional insurance player, please, guys, is it possible to design this product because it's missing in my product portfolio? And to activate, disactivate when you see that your customers will need it. There is only one industry who are doing that, and it's Netflix, Prime Video, Disney Plus. We will probably see additional players trying to duplicate this approach in the near future. And the coming years beyond 2022 will be quite exciting in our industry. The ecosystem theme is something that's also picked up by Lisa Lottie-Monk, the CEO for Data. What we also see is that what we could call ecosystem, uh, that insurance uh, are not a closed system anymore. They are opening up, working with partners to deliver services, and it's fully integrated into what they are offering to their clients. Continuing with distribution and the disruption of the existing value chain, Let's hear from Mark Allen. He's the general manager for business and specialist products at Booper. He shares the enthusiasm that Matt Jones and Charles Burgess expressed earlier. And in fact, we at Instate London share too for embedded insurance. My prediction for 2022 is an acceleration of embedded insurance and everything that goes with it, especially with wider participants, people we've maybe not seen playing in that space before. Uh, the reason I think that is really based out of many years of, of working in old-fashioned embedded insurance, affinity partnerships, people buying their home insurance with mortgages, people buying their car insurance when they got a new car. Digital is just opening up even bigger audiences and making it even more convenient for people to buy these products. Uh, there are new audiences that maybe wouldn't have considered um, buying embedded insurance in the past, but now are transacting online and it can be presented to them there and then. The customer can benefit from better pricing, personalization, new communities being opened up and opportunities for ongoing engagement. And critically for insurers, actually, lots of opportunity to start to integrate prevention activity as part of that embedded insurance partnership. So I think it's going to be incredibly exciting. 2021 was a year which crypto in its many forms emerged from the shadows and is now playing an increasingly influential part in insurance innovation. Jenny Williams sees cryptocurrency in particular, as a huge opportunity for the insurance industry. The market cap in the last year has moved from $500 billion to $2.5 trillion. We can clearly see this as more than a passing phase. We are going to move from network companies controlling and making the money to users controlling the networks. This ecosystem is open. It's decentralized. You've got countries recognizing Bitcoin as legal tender. You've got millions of crypto wallets and NFT accounts and thriving communities on apps like Discord. 
And our industry, what we can do is we're going to underwrite their assets, the crypto assets. We can underwrite crypto businesses. We can actually start accepting crypto as payment. Um, we can hold it as a balance sheet item and we can be absolutely sure that we're going to see more activity in the space in 2022. This is one of my favourites. I think this is the most innovative thing we have out there. It's Jern Cusco again at Matfrey. The risks that he thinks we have to understand how to protect is not so much the cryptocurrency, but the metaverse. If our mission as insurers is protecting everything our customers care about, Today, the things they care about are moving to the digital world, their identity, their assets, their family relationships, their businesses, their memories. Everything is there in the digital world. So if we need to protect it, we need to be there. And it's no choice for insurance uh, companies to, to be there and to help them prevent, act and recover from all the bad things that can happen there. Now, a slight shift of focus from non-life into life and health. Let's hear from two chief medical officers about what they foresee for the life and health insurance industry in 2022. First up, we have Debbie Smith. She's the chief medical officer for Swiss Re for Europe, Middle East and Africa. My prediction will be that we'll be contemplating cancer and negotiating some big challenges to the life and health underwriting process. The process of diagnosing cancer may change radically over the next year and beyond. With the development of newer technologies, such as liquid-based biopsy, the GRAIL and the NHS collaboration being most notably in the UK, perhaps, where the aim is to find cancers early. And Debbie also thinks that there will be a fallout for health insurers as a result of the pandemic and the mounting cost of state-provided healthcare. We know that the pandemic had a detrimental impact on attendances for cancer screening, and we've got quite a lot of catching up to do. Is this going to be compromised by the subsuming of NHSX and NHS Digital into the larger structure of NHS England and improvement that actually only combined relatively recently? On top of this, we have a health and care bill that sees potential fragmentation of the NHS between state and private provision, with obviously a potential impact on cancer services. So there's huge amounts of potential for advancement, but much focus needed on how we adapt our underwriting processes to accommodate such huge levels of change. There are many, many things we could ponder as developments in 2022, but cancer is going to be one of those right at the top of my list. And here's a prediction of Ali Hassan. He's the chief medical and healthcare officer at Vitality. He hit a particularly encouraging and optimistic note for 2022. The pandemic has shown us really clearly that health is the most important thing in people's lives. It is impossible to open a newspaper or turn on the TV without seeing something relating to someone's health. We also know that there is this paradox that while we are seeing more and more about our health, people are getting unhealthier. Even before the pandemic, we saw people becoming much more impatient about accessing healthcare and wanting an experience more like retail, more like other industries that have transformed. Policies which offer more choice, more access, irrespective of your health system, whether public or private, will continue to be in demand. People have never considered before health insurance in many different areas. Now people are really starting to think about how this could be the right choice for them. And Ali also sees a big opportunity for the health insurance industry to be a consolidator, the natural access point to a broad range of digital health services. When we also look at supplier industries for health insurance, they are absolutely booming. This year, we are on track for $40 billion in digital health alone, and it was less than 10% of that just a decade ago. That's particularly important because insurers are now increasingly being considered as platforms for access and large purchasers of value-added services where the members are really seeing benefits. 
we are seeing such exciting things in terms of the healthcare pathways people are having, which we've never seen before. Even if I just think about what we're doing at Vitality, our members can have a GP consultation the same day. They can authorize their secondary care online. They can access tens of healthcare partners remotely. They can have their moles checked remotely, have therapy remotely, have disease self-management programs. There'll be so much more to talk to you about next year. And I'm really looking forward to it. That's it for today. We've got a full and tasty schedule of events and reports for you again this year. Full details at www.instec.london. If you want to find out why so many insurers and technology companies are becoming members of Instec London and what you are missing if you're not, then contact me, Matthew Grant or Robin Mertens via LinkedIn or any of us at hello at instec.london.